episode 305 hello and nope. welcome my name's nope. anthony guy goes nope. it's episode 306 nope. yep. <laughs> i love how you came in with confidence though like right away you're just like i know what fucking episode this number is i'm just gonna it's burn like through the intro you gotta own it sometimes <laughs> uh, even when you're wrong it's 306 Bill Murray, save us i'm anthony <laughs> guy goes join me yeah i need like five more tries and then i'll get it right tomorrow um <laughs> Joining me so is Arthur Geese. Kill yourself so you can get an earlier start, is what you're saying. Yes. And uh, Matt Chandrenay. That is me. No one else. No one James else. James is uh, at dead. Call of Duty XP. Oh. He's not dead then. We're playing that Call of Duty has, multiplayer. He's, he has stuff to... No, I doubt very highly that James is playing anything. I'm sure Wait, he's doing lots XP, of coverage like the review of event? No, it's not the review event. Right, it's this like is the just big, like the like, go play the multiplayer and check out things? It's the be a fan of Call of Duty event. Okay, okay. This is oh, the first yeah. one they've had since the other one that was like eight years ago, I right? I they did it last year, too. Did they? They do it like every year now. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, it was funny because uh, we actually covered the first Call of Duty XP for Activision. They hired Area 5 to like, do some videos. That was videos. when Elite launched, right? Right, that was when Elite launched and they hired Area 5 to do videos for Elite. And like, so... I wasn't there. I was in San Francisco. The rest of the guys were at that Call of Duty XP, though, and they that first one apparently was pretty awesome. Even yeah. though they're like, even though it was like underpopulated, I'm sure that made it better. Um, James doesn't get to play things when he goes to events like that. Yeah, well, it's a little bit easier now than the old capture days where they had to set up the craziest amount of shit. Oh, but he's like <laughs> responsible for like production logistics. And stuff yeah, I'm like just that. saying that. Like back in the day when I used to go to video producers, they didn't get to do shit because they were too busy unpacking a pelican case to capture yeah. footage yep so nowadays it fits in a messenger bag yeah yeah such a different world yeah the shogun atmos the, the atmos shogun or whatever it is the, yeah the atmos shogun it, that's a really good one um my i was using that at e3 a bunch it's very convenient yes it is very convenient used to it was designed originally just as a monitor for video cameras monitor slash recorder for video cameras uh it has great on-screen touch controls but the Really, the one that you're going to get the most reliable stuff is the Pixie by Video Devices. It's P-I-X-E. Those, <laughs> that's an amazing capture device that's like really bulletproof. <laughs> but the show, the Atomo Shogun's really good, too. Both of these devices that are very convenient are also in the $2,000, $3,000 range. That's, but see, that's not, un, that's, so that's the like good, you're recommending like, hey, this is some good shit. Yeah. $3,000. Oh, yeah. Back in the day when I used to roll around with some of the video producers at IGN, they'd be carrying like 20 grand worth of oh, shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. When I was... When to do you, footage capture that's probably not even as good as those things right. do. So. Well, at 1UP, uh, at um, we actually had a PCIe, external PCIe box that we put a PC capture card in. And then had that going into had that going into an adapter into the PCMCIA port on a laptop, and that was like our portable, our cheap portable capture solution. And of course, it was always like, turn off the driver, turn on the driver, uh, reboot the hell. system. Yeah, super temperamental. And like you, Fuck and, video capture. And then we, uh, and then we, we contacted the manufacturer of all these devices, and they're like, uh, you're not supposed to use these devices in these scenarios. Like, yeah. we've never tested anything like this. We can't provide you any support or help for this at all. Honestly, <laughs> everything kind of sucked until Elgato. Like, 
It's not like Elgato the, uh, was perfect by any stretch of the imaginations, but it was easily the most usable piece of video capture hardware. Well, Blackmagic used to be good, no, but then Blackmagic Black Magic, got like, bad. You have to have the settings exactly correct yeah. on both the card and the console. Right. And hoppage boxes were good, too. Like those ones. Did they, like, they got the job done. The quality wasn't that, great. I'm, I mean, saying, that, no, I'm, saying, I'm saying they got the job done. Yeah, that's exactly. Just, they got the in job a YouTube done. YouTube era, they got the job yeah. done. See, as, like, as a video production company, our, like we can't we couldn't really we've never really been able to use things like an elgato yeah because uh, they don't capture at a high enough bit rate and they don't capture it a super usable format the thing, the thing for us using elgato stuff was that if you capture on the highest bit rate on windows which is 60 mm-hmm. uh that's higher than any b-roll you're ever getting from a from a publisher yeah for a video and it's yeah. certainly higher than youtube will ever oh, show oh yeah no it's great for you guys um, yeah the, those those boxes are like they serve 90% of the market. Right. You know, but when you need to capture in like, you know, ProRes 4444. They were also the first like non $1,000 option that did 1080p 60. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, which was a huge, huge deal. Yep. Um, well, now the problem is trying to find a portable 4K capture solution, which is what pretty much what the Shoguns are for. Yeah, the Shoguns are great at that. Yep. Like surprisingly so yep like they're very very good at it and but they're a couple thousand bucks i think they're like a thousand right uh i think they uh, it depends on the model i think the the i think they start at 1200 or at least they did like a year or two ago uh, not totally unaffordable not totally unaffordable for a company definitely not a consumer grade piece of hardware yeah yeah but the elgatos are great like if you you know those are those in the um uh what's the one that phil has I just feel like anyway. all these things, yeah, it's like, you know, if you're just... People are figuring it out. Thanks thanks to streaming technology, I mean, or thanks to streamers, all the streamers out there and the demand for, like, you know, an easy capture solution for streamers, that's really what's pushed the, the yeah. consumer tech. Well, now that, and now there's so much competition, too. Razer has one. Like, all these yeah. companies have one now, you know? It's great. So. I love it. I mean, like, the, the rise of Twitch and video game streaming has really, like, pushed video tech to be more consumer-friendly. Which is which it always should have been. Like it which was, it always should have it, been. It's absurd that it wasn't. Yeah. Well, I mean, like people always, you know, like professionals in any industry always have this idea that, oh, if our tools are like super obtuse and hard to use, but we know how to use them, that's fine because they're professional. They're, they should be hard to use. Which is, you know, that's bullshit. Like the easier something is to use, the better it is for everybody, professional or consumer. You know, like you should have professional options available to you for like professional grade hardware but i mean that's one reason why you know i like the atomos shogun so much is because it has great on-screen controls that are super intuitive and really easy to use and most video things of any sort until you get down to like the elgato level or where they just aren't they're just like you know ui designed by engineers instead of ui designed by ui experts yeah and i mean now the problem that everybody is going to face is the 4k workflow yeah that's going to be an issue and if HDR, you want to hear more about stuff like this, you can listen to Chris Ostertag's <laughs> yeah, podcast. That's true. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, that's totally true. That, that's like him, and they, that's the type of shit he gets way into. Like our entire Twitter DM history is just going back and forth about like video standards and mm-hmm. hardware and like HTCP issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much the only thing that guy tweets about is like video stuff and weird local Austin <laughs> issues. So, and I, I definitely like uh, if anybody's thinking about doing anything with video. I highly recommend you steer clear of black magic anything. Yeah, I man, I got burned on the last thing that I bought from them to, yep. the, to the tune of like a few hundred bucks. Yep. It, was just, it never worked. Nope. 
And their their specs on their website for certain pieces of hardware are out and out lies. Yep. Just like straight lies. Their like, whole 4K line is bullshit. Yeah. And it's like sometimes for some people, like it'll work, but for most people, it won't. So it's just not even worth. They're not worth buying at all. Hmm. Uh, it's too bad because I like the Black Magic Intensity. The Intensity yeah. Pro was a pretty good card. It Although was. Yeah, that was the one where it's like you got to make sure it's at fifty nine point nine four. Right. And <laughs> Your console's sure that doing that. Yeah. yeah. But you know, like it, that that Intensity card was one of the first cards that was ultra reliable and outputted a complete clean signal, yeah. and you like could a, record straight to an uncompressed. If yeah. you had the the right speed to support it. Yep. Yep. Anyway, video stuff. Sorry, <laughs> we play video games on video stuff called consoles. Uh, and PC. And PC. Yeah, I don't think this game's out for console, though it very easily could be. What the last game? Stop is definitely the last station. The last station, the last station is station. definitely out on PlayStation Four. At least it might be out on Xbox. So what, what? What is this game? What is the last station? So it's a game. It looks like it's probably made in Game Maker. Uh-huh. It's a pixel art game, uh, and the basic premise. It, at first, I thought, oh, you're just a guy managing a train, just managing a train, trying to keep it on the tracks, mm-hmm. uh, and everyone lives on this train. That's what I thought. So like Snowpiercer? Yeah. But that's <laughs> not beats. that's not what it is at all. Huh. Uh the game you are a guy managing a train in a world after what everyone calls the first visitation, which is that Aliens? basically something came and rained down earth and it made turn people into monsters. <laughs> and the world fought them back and now there's like a council of governments. Hmm. And you're operating these trains, some of the only things that still go around all the places and you are doing this on the day that now there's what's obviously the second visitation. Things are falling from the sky again and stuff like that. Hmm. And you're the only train running. And oh, so wow. you're contacted by your company to be like, you have to get to this town. And you get there and the army's there and you like, you know, and, and it's side scrolling. And so when you're on the train, you do have to keep managing things. There's like various little modules in the train and your train has runs at 90 volts it has a hundred volt capacity, and as things start short circuiting, they're taking more power. And if it ever goes over power, I don't know what happens because I'm really good about me. But <laughs> yeah. ideally, that doesn't happen. Yes, <laughs> right. And so, when you get to a new town, every time you get to a town, the way that the government has set up the train is the train always runs into the stop and gets locked by like a, a locking mechanism. Mm-hmm. And it's the only way to unlock the train is to know the key code for the pad. And to do that, you have to talk to the local station agent who will give you a unique code to unlock your train. But now that stuff's gone to shit. Each little stop is a town that you visit, and you have to figure out where the code's at. So when you visit, do you actually like move a character around? Yes, the screen? you get around, okay. and it turns into a, it turns into a more like a classic NES game where you're shooting zombies, <laughs> and so <laughs> uh, you know, and your mouse is kind of like the cursor. You can, you know, you could uh, probably aim like forty five degrees on either side. You know, like so down to your feet up to a head, and, and so matter. and so is it side scroller just left to right? Yeah, just yeah. Left, and vertical. I mean, you go and vertical. Oh. Like, there's a lot of, like, uh, you know, as you start going to these towns, you start figuring out, like, all the governments had bunkers and stuff, and so you're going under them, and you're finding people that maybe tried to hold out, or some people killed oh, themselves, wow. hmm. or some people are survivors, and if you find survivors, you send them to your train, and so you're rooting through the town trying to find food, med kits, and uh, ultimately get the key code to unlock the train so you can progress the next stop. And so is is every town a zombie-infested wasteland? Almost every town yeah. is a zombie-infested wasteland. Mm. And some are obviously, like, coaling plants. Like, each town sort of has, like, a visual story that it tells. And, like, you meet up with the army, and they give you this thing, and they're just like, we have really important cargo, and you're the only train operating. 
we need you to watch this and take it with you. And so they send that along with you and you're like now having to manage the power on that too. And eventually <laughs> you get that to a town and you learn that it's like a battery for something called the Guardian. That, that the World Council was going to activate if there was ever a second visitation. Pacific Rim. And so it sure <laughs> seems like that's the case. And so then the mission becomes you taking more and more cargo to get it to this Guardian. Nice. But along the way, when you take on survivors, they might be bleeding or they might be f- like all of them have a hunger meter. And, and mm. when you're riding in the real time between towns, if they run out of food, their health will start to go down. Or if they're bleeding, their health will start to go down. And if they ever go down to zero, they die. Yeah. And you get rewards if you can get them to the next safe town. Oh, okay. And so you'll see as you walk past them, like this guy's worth $230 and 10 bullets if you get him to the town. And so that's, there's definitely, but you never have enough. Mm-hmm. So you're like, there's always well, some fuck, man, this lady die. is like, uh, she's a teacher, but she's worth 40 bucks. <laughs> this guy's worth $240. <laughs> right. Let so the teacher like, got. And die. so, yeah. So you have to make like those hard choices. Yeah. And along the way, you'll like try and chat with people who are other trained operators. And they're like, I don't know what's going on. Nothing's right. Oh, they're coming. And they just like the little chattel end and stuff like that. <laughs> and so it's just like this really cool storytelling narrative about you who should not be a heroic character is just a train conductor. Yeah. But now has like probably the single most important mission for the, for humanity. That's yeah. a really interesting idea. So I like that a lot. And you, when you go into the town, it's still like, it is like a, it sounds, it's, it's more survival horror than it is like an action game because mm-hmm. bullets are very, very precious mm. and you have a shotgun eventually and a pistol and you never have enough ammo for each. And so like you'll learn very early that you can kind of like melee walk dance to get basic zombies, but then there are faster moving ones and those require different strategies. They'll introduce zombies who are like, you shoot them and they'll light on fire. And if they get close to you, they'll eventually explode. So you can kind of like guide them to take out groups of enemies. Like you'll definitely get to areas where it's like, there's clearly awesome resources down there and there's no way you can fight all these guys traditionally. So it's like a question of like, it almost has a little bit of hotline Miami in the sense that it's like, really tight enemy things and you're like okay i'm gonna run here probably get killed but if i shoot the one flaming one blow him up grab this tv off the ground and smash that into the head of a zombie to save wow. bullets like stuff like that yeah, there's like, there's like environmental kills huh. and stuff nice. like that so you know and then like maybe then run up this ladder and lure him around so that i can buy myself the walking space like because you move faster if you're looking in the direction you're running so when you're backing up you're moving slower mm-hmm. so there's just like there is strategy to the way that you move in the environment. And that's cool. what I mean. It's like very much more like an RE1 game where, you know, you would do knife dancing and stuff like that. Like, <laughs> right, right. Um, <laughs> so it's really, it's just a fun <laughs> game. And your character never actually, like, you never know what your character's saying. It does dialogue pop-ups. But every time your character talks, it's just three dots. And then you have to basically guess what your character said based off the way people respond to you. Like, so people <laughs> will be like, well, I don't like it either, but that's just the way it is. These are our orders. And you know, and you're like, Oh, I don't know what my guy said, but I guess <laughs> he didn't like that very much. That's really interesting. So it's like, you can basically, you can construct your own character's dialogue in your head. If you're so inclined. Yeah, exactly. Just based on what they're saying. Like, yeah. um, that's pretty cool. No, it's, it's a really cool game. I'm going to guess it's probably only like two hours long. Um, is it, is it, is it like a roguelike? Do, do you? Yeah, I was going to ask if it's procedural at all. I don't think it's procedural at all. Yeah. I think the levels are very crafted experiences in the sense mm. that 
because I feel like I go into all of them with barely any bullets. Mm-hmm. I find a ton of bullets throughout them, mm-hmm. but I get back with barely any bullets. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> like they are made to where you have to play smart with what they give you to get yeah. through it. Nice. So, and you, know, cool. you don't have to find the survivors. That's all that shit's optional. But, yeah. um, so you can, you could just like find the code and just go station to station finding codes yeah, and like yeah, not do any to, of the other shit. Yeah, exactly. Like you'll, you might find survivors unintentionally along the way, Yeah, but if you don't talk to them, they won't get on your train. Like you huh. don't have to help anyone. So, but I mean, obviously they incentivize you to do so by right. giving you money and stuff like that. Right. But cool. <laughs> uh, but the, no, I just think it's an interesting. Not by being a good person, but the money's okay. <laughs> yeah. I think I think it's a, it's just an interesting premise. And as you're going along, they do really interesting narrative things while the train's running. Mm. Like the annoying thing is that you're sitting there managing these little batteries, so you miss it. But your passengers are all talking to each other. Oh, and you learn little things like how the government has banned firearms and stuff like that. And people are like, man, I wish there wasn't a ban on firearms right now. Mm-hmm. And like little things like people being like, oh, I don't trust you because you're one of those people. You believe in this like things and or like a, a nuke goes off in the distance and you oh, learn wow. like, I mean, I don't want to spoil too much. Yeah. But, you know, that it's just like you're seeing horrible shit happening in the background and your passengers are like kind of commenting on like, oh, my God, I didn't think they would go this far. You know, right. stuff like that. Right. 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 So. They're all kind of coming to grips with the fact that it's seemingly the end of the world, and they're very fortunate to be on the train, the only running train heading in the direction where these things are not. Right. So, it's and just, somehow there is an army and a world government <laughs> in spite of all this. Yeah. Well, they were waiting for the second visitation. Right. Right. Crumbling. As I would crumbling. Say. Yeah. It is crumbling. Like when you get to certain towns, there's like limited guards, and there's clearly like signs of sickness even in the guards and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So. And the game doesn't start off just like immediately like zombies. It's like it builds up like the first couple of towns you go to people are sick, mm. people being like, oh, can you help me, please? And you're just like, I'm just here to talk to the dude and get the code so I can keep going. Like you, there's no combat for quite a while yeah. in that game. It Interesting. Kind of slow. Huh. They just want they just wanted to build up so that when finally people actually have changed, it's like, oh, OK. You know, you started to see things falling apart, hospitals that were yeah. run, that yeah. sort of thing. Wow. So, nice. And even sometimes some of your passengers that you save, you know, you'll bring them to the town with a doctor and the doctor will be like, so you say you were bit by someone and you're like, oh shit. So, you know, you bringing him along was probably not the best thing. You're just like spreading the plague. But it's a really... Well, somebody asked you. It's a cool game. I I feel like... Yeah. If if I'd known it was on PlayStation, I would have seen if it was on Vita because it would have been... I don't think so. Okay. That would have been like a game... The perfect sort of travel perfect game. Vita game. I mean, at yeah. some point in six months, I'm sure it will be because people do that for some reason. But. Yeah, it, the levels are all really short. I've been playing it mostly at work while I compile. So while something's mm-hmm. compiling, it's like takes like three minutes. I'm like, ah, oh, play for three minutes. All right, go back. <laughs> yeah. it's like FTL. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you can stop at any time. So um, speaking of stopping any time, we need to stop recording right now because I just got codes for Pac-Man Championship Edition two. What? I so didn't even fuck all this bullshit. Wait, didn't they make a Pac-Man <laughs> Championship over. Edition too? No, there's Pac-Man Championship Edition and Pac-Man Championship Edition DX. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry, DX was the DX one. DX is the one that became an obsession at the IGN office when it came out. Yeah, that game is so good. It was well, super. It was awesome until it's so the good. leaderboards got hacked. Well, hopefully. Oh, uh, really? I didn't. I forgot about that. Yeah, because like I was in the top 100. Yeah. For five minutes on the first course. Hopefully, sure championship. Ed- hopefully, sure. championship edition doesn't. Uh, championship edition two doesn't let you down. 
Yeah. Um, I, I, Namco hasn't really demonstrated a knack for knowing how to get that <laughs> show under control. So not yeah. Uh, well, Matt. Yes. In a less somber world, or I don't know if it's less somber, <laughs> you played that Turing test game. Yeah, yeah. I haven't, I haven't beaten it yet. I've only played like two and a half hours or so. So you're not a robot. Uh, you don't know. Okay. I think it's actually unclear. Because your, um, name, your name is Turing. Your name is Turing. You're, you're, so you wake up in a station that's orbiting Europa. Okay. And you're woken up by the AI, Tom, T-O-M, which stands for something. I can't remember what. Um, of course it does. It's very, very moon-like in, in the way that it sort of treats it. Except that, and uh, so you wake up on a space station, and this is a FPS in the Unreal Engine. Um, so, you know, you kind of already know what it looks like. The... The uh, um, it's it's a pretty game without being like you know over the top. Oh my god, I can't believe how good this looks. But it's definitely FPS, and it's very uh, it's very. It looks to me like it's very Moon and Portal inspired in terms of its art design and aesthetic. And your character is voiced, so you're having dialogue with the AI as you're just moving around in the levels. Okay, and. Um, it it definitely seems like so you're woken up because something has gone awry with the team that's on the surface of Europa. Okay. And so it's like you're and and so Tom says you are the backup to rescue everybody so I'm sending you down and like you wake up and you like you look at displays and monitors and stuff and it sort of has that that gone home thing where you can pick up objects and turn them around and look at them uh, but you don't actually have an inventory. So you pick up objects, you look around, and like you sort of discover before you even get on the planet that uh, you were supposed to be in cryostasis for ten years while everybody else is on the planet doing their thing. It's like it seems like there's kind of a rotation, like cryostasis thing, so that people can be there for a really long time. And it was your turn. Um, but anyway, like you, you take a drop pod down to Europa, and there's a station that's underground. And as soon as you go into the station, Tom is like this place has changed and she's and you is ava turing your last name is turing um says well how do you mean it's like well there's all of these puzzles that are here that you have to use to get through uh that unfortunately i haven't been able to get through because i'm not human and then he like he mentioned something about the turing test and basically says that these puzzles the puzzles are designed so that uh for logical simultaneous logical and lateral thinking like humans can do and then Ava says, uh, oh, so you're telling me that a, that a robot or a machine intelligence couldn't get through these. You know, that's correct. And so immediately, you know, of course, I'm thinking like, oh, well, he's using me to get through these to get through these puzzles. And these puzzles were set up to stop by him. the landing team to stop him, you know. Yeah. But it's not that it's it, at least you're, you as the character. It's not that blatant. But right away, like you can tell that this this is the first game that I've seen that is. 100% directly inspired by Portal and Test Chambers. Yeah. Because that's what you're doing is you're, it's like, it's like all of these rooms that, it, it only it takes, instead of being like super hilarious, it takes itself really seriously. Yeah. And like the tech that you're using is meant to be sort of believable as kind of like, uh, you know, 25th century tech, uh, but not like super fanciful like a portal gun would be. So you have, so the way that you solve puzzles is you have this energy manipulating device, which is a gun, 
that you point at these balls of energy that are powering different devices, and then you can suck them into your gun, up to three in the, three of them at a time. And then you can use those balls of energy to do different things uh, to solve puzzles. And, you know, there's light bridges that you turn on and off and, like, cubes that you move around to power devices and to press buttons and, you know, like... All kinds of stuff that like uh, is directly inspired by a portal and new puzzle elements that they've thought of. And then as you're going through these, what are the equivalent of test chambers, you and Tom are having conversations each time you get into a new area. And like there's one point where he's all like, have you heard of the Turing test? And then like describes the basic premise to you and then says like, although most, although philosophers these days uh, say that the Turing test has a fatal flaw, (laughs) starts telling you about the fatal flaw. And then at one point you get through enough of the test chambers that you get into the actual crew quarters and it just looks like a regular crew quarters. Uh, Like, oh, here's the part of the station that, you know, that they didn't modify. Yeah. And you can go and you can like, pick up uh, their little computers and you can read like really long journals about what they're going through and this life form that they found somewhere on the planet uh, that uh, looks like it's that it's uh, it's a life form that it's uh, an extremophile so you know like one of those super robust single cel- single cellular life forms like they find they can find it, they can sustain itself in like 10,000 degree temperatures yeah exactly and- like they find at the volcanic vents in the oceans uh and uh, this particular one that they found is able to self-repair its DNA, I- even in spite of, like, the crazy radiation that pummels Europa constantly. And they find it's because of a virus, and they think this might be the key to immortality, you know. And you can see communication logs between the scientists there on the station on Europa and Earth and stuff like that as they're trying to track it this down. It reminds and- me a lot of the Talos Principle. It, it is, except it's less, uh, it has like some philosophical elements like, you know, what's human, what's intelligence and that kind of stuff. There's even one of the people you pick up, he, he thinks that like uh, Tom is controlling his mind through an implant and does surgery on himself to remove the implant. And there's a whole log about it. And there's somebody else who has an essay that's about Turing where she's like talking to Tom, like in her texting, she says like, Tom, you're probably reading this, so I'm just going to say this directly to you. I was thinking about what Turing said, blah, 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 blah. And it's like 100, 150 words, or probably more like 300 words, just like her musings about this with Tom. So in that sense, it's like the Talos Principle, and that has some philosophical overtones. But in another sense, it's not like the Talos Principle because it's more grounded. Uh, it's not so airy. You know, it's it's more deliberate in its, in its dramatic interpretation of these sure. kind of things. And uh, it's super enjoyable. The voice acting is really good. Tom has this, uh, he's uh, 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 like Wheatley, you know, he's a British sounding male robot AI intelligence thing, but he's just very considerate and conciliatory, but you kind of get this like little underpinning of creepiness. Like it's there's just, something British, British that's probably it, but it's also the writing. The writing is actually super good. Um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing where the story goes and because the puzzles and the gameplay are all super enjoyable and they're really short, just like in portal one test chamber right after another interspersed with like levels that are like I was telling you with the crew quarters that are just tell story more narrative based. Yeah. Yeah. And like occasionally when you're going in the hallways between levels, there'll be this thing that says, uh, um, what is it? Uh, restricted access or whatever, where you can just walk into the side hallway and there'll, there'll be some extra puzzle in there. Which is very similar to like the portal things where you might find the broken up and co- compartment where someone lived and yeah, exactly. wrote things on the wall. Exactly. And- Only so far these things, 
uh, seem like they're self-contained. They're just like extra little sideways. There's one that you go to right in the beginning of the game where he just says, hmm, I don't think we have the means to solve this yet. <laughs> and then you walk into another one where you walk up and you start typing on a computer and somebody is somebody on the other end of the computer in a chat engine is submit is hitting you with the Turing test <laughs> and saying, like, are you a robot? And you can type in whatever you want because uh, I don't know if this is on console, but I'm playing on PC. And uh, you can type in whatever you want, and it feels like it's a chat bot. You know, like it has like these answers, but they're canned. And then after a while, no matter what key you press, uh, the the text that you, quote unquote, are typing in is typed in for you. Yeah. And so it says like, wait, am I a machine? Question mark. Even though all I was doing was like hitting a bunch of random letters. And then the response is like, yes, you are a robot. And then you say wait, why is, why is it not letting me type what I'm actually thinking? <laughs> and then like you hit something and then you hit escape and then it says, I can't escape. Help me escape. And then you hit tab, like to try to get out of it again. And it's like, I want to get out of here. Can you help me please? <laughs> and that's like you as the character typing all this in. And I'm like, does this mean that my brain is being controlled by a robot or is this some kind of funny Turing joke? And it's hard to tell. Yeah. Maybe Tom isn't controlling your brain through an implant. Right, Exactly. Uh, but it's, it's, uh, I, I'm really enjoying it so That's far. I hope, the, pu- I hope the puzzles hold up. Yeah, it really did. It just like was in my, in my steam notification. I feel like it's just some small indie Euro dev that made it too. I'm not I sure. I mean, it's, yeah. it's interesting cause it's also on Xbox one at least. I might be on PS4. Oh, is it? Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, that's and, uh, actually how I heard about it. Like, I no, saw it on the Xbox on the dashboard, One store yeah. or something. I was like, what the fuck is that? It's really so, good. Yeah, I right now I super recommend it. it. Like I said, it's the first, like, directly Portal-inspired game that well, I've ever played. It's been long really enough played. from a Portal game that I feel like yeah. I could get into something like that. And right now is just yeah. about the last opportunity you're going to have to spend with a tiny game that you haven't heard of before, before the fall starts, <laughs> and everything is just, like, big games all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, remember we were talking about all the big games that are coming out, and there's yeah. only a couple that I really want to play. I want to play the new Gears. Mm-hmm. I'll play the new Call of Duty, probably. Titanfall, Battlefield. I'll play Titanfall. Yeah. I'll be curious. I don't know if I'll buy I want to play the single the player of Battlefield. I didn't play Battlefield 4 at all. You didn't hear what Neither I did I. Last Guardian. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I mean, I'll wait to hear about You'll that You'll fucking one. buy it. I'm going to play But I don't know if I'll that. play Battlefield campaigns. I haven't really enjoyed a Battlefield campaign since Bad Company. There hasn't been a good Battlefield campaign yeah. since Bad Company. Yeah. yeah. So, there, like, true. there hasn't been an EA shooter with a good campaign yeah. since Bad Company 2, actually, that I can think of. I am. I'm just tired of the military dude hoorah campaign. You know? I mean, Battlefield One should be different by virtue of its setting. True. Yeah, but it's like a weird alternate version of World War One. You know, it's it is. Like, so I don't know. You're just mad about the machine guns. <laughs> I, I admit, making a World War One game that's compelling is is all but impossible. Because I mean, have you been watching any of the videos? World War One like, was World War One was a nightmare because like, the open beta is up right now. Yeah. And so like, there's been a ton of videos, and like right now, the thing that everyone is freaking out about is like slamming horses into people. <laughs> horses' <laughs> face may be the greatest thing. Horses had very limited engagement in in World War One, but they were incredibly important for moving artillery. That's mm-hmm. what they were mostly for. But yes, as far as straight up engagements, I want to see someone. There was a horse. They were occasionally used. <laughs> the horses going to happen. Horses oh, yeah. eventually suffered the same fate as everyone else trying to cross, which is bad, bad, bad times. Barbed yeah. wire is not a fun. It's not a friend. Barbed, Barbed wire, wire and trenches, and trenches yeah. and mustard gas. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So. Yeah, horses like it's crazy. Like I, I watched one episode of that Great War thing where they mm. were breaking down animal deaths, and it's like, Whoa. it's like pretty crazy. Tens of millions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. 
if they weren't getting eaten, you know, it's mm-hmm. just, so. Yeah. Um, it's so crazy. Yeah, no, I'll be curious. I, I actually played that World War One game that tries to be more faithful to World War One. No. It's actually, it just came out on PS4 mm. and Xbox One as well. It's called mm. Verdun. It's a multiplayer shooter. It came out on Xbox One and PS4 this week. Right, but it's been on PC for a long time. It has. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I feel like I've heard of that. Did it used to be a mod or something? Yeah, maybe. It looks like that type of thing. It's like 20 on 20. And the way it works is that it it tries to be more faithful to World War I in Mm -hmm. the sense that the typical battlefield is your trench and their trench. Mm -hmm. And you can only attack when it's your turn to attack. Hmm. So it takes turns like now attack their trench. And if you take their trench, I think it may push the battlefield. I'm not sure, mm. but it's like, all right, try and take their trench. And now your team's doing, and if, if you're on the defending side and you try and leave your trench, you'll be shot for being a, like a deserter. <laughs> and so it literally is like, you are just defending the trench right yeah. now. Yeah. And so the attackers have to cross no man's land and they can do things like, you know, launch artillery and yeah. stuff like that to try and clear the way. And, and is it like when you're attacking, I'm sorry. And I was going to ask if, if like when you're attacking, do you have, like uh respawn tickets or something yeah yeah there are tickets okay um and it's just timed like you have a certain mm-hmm. amount of minutes to do it mm-hmm. and like if you roll with a like a a sergeant you get certain passive benefits and stuff like that but <laughs> that game is literally like one shot kill dead yeah like like and it's so hard that not only did i pretty much never see who shot me mm-hmm. but i only ever saw the enemy trench like within like 10 meters like maybe once or twice <laughs> and they don't even give them machine guns right like, yeah you know so i'm yeah. just like that world war one is not a good game to make a shooter out of that's the, like a traditional <laughs> a traditional a faithful, cod a faithful, shooter yeah if it, like yeah mm-hmm. like that's why battlefield one is obviously taking like the alternate history type thing yeah because a faithful to world war one thing would be yep. Uh, just the turret sequences from Call of Duty games. Like, that's all it would be. You would be on a turret and, you know, like, it's crazy in World War One how people underestimated machine guns at first. You know, no one thought they were that big of a deal. They were like, yeah, it's a fucking machine gun. Who cares? Yeah. So it's just like, I mean, literally, that was that was some of the things British generals said. They were like, ah, the machine gun's just an overrated thing. Like, you know, we don't need that many of them. You know, just send enough guys at it and machine gun, you know, and then there's literally other stories where, like, there's, like, a famous story of, like, a sergeant who stands up after shelling or something and says, all right, you, like none of, nobody else got up. And he's mm. like, ah, you fucking cowards. Are you going to make me attack by myself? And then one of the dudes on the ground who has a broken shoulder says, they all tried to stand basically, but they're all dead. Like they already, like in the time where he stood up, mm-hmm. they all just gotten shot. Wow. And, so, and they're all killed, you know? And he's like, oh, <laughs> it wasn't that they didn't want to get up. They were already all dead. What? So, like from machine gun fire? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he just went to stand up, and then he was like, "Why isn't anyone else?" And it's like, "Oh, they're all they were all just killed." So Jesus Christ, yeah. War is awesome, you guys. Yeah, watch the movie Gallipoli; it'll just show you. I, I just every war is bad. Like, yeah, every fucking war has been horrible. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. World War One was just really bad for the first couple of years because there were no tanks, so it literally was just a stalemate. Oh yeah, you said that last I, week. Yeah, but I just the amount of people that died on like the Russian front is just astronomical yeah like in world war ii like it's not like world war ii was not a horrible no yeah no it's true it's just like world war one had like one day where france lost like twenty three thousand people in one day yeah just because right but what was the battle of the bulge at i don't know i'm just saying stone was i'm just saying that early on french literally put people in napoleonic blocks and marched them at machine guns like (laughs) like they didn't understand war. yeah yeah they had no idea and it and and that's the thing that a lot of historians look back now because they're like did no one watch the american civil war because mm-hmm. America learned the hard way about why we about could no longer march guns. armies at each other. Yeah. yeah. 
you know, rifling and barrels changed everything. Yeah. During the Revolutionary War, the reason that worked was because guns were incredibly inaccurate. Like, and they took forever to reload. Yeah. Like, you had to fire in a swarm to do anything. Yeah. So, but yeah, just a different world. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, uh, uh, the number of casualties at Gettysburg was 51,000. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Which was over like a day. Yeah. So. That was two days. 51,000 people dead in two days at one battle. Wow. Yeah. So. I mean, you know, it's just like Gallipoli was like, but I'm just saying that machine guns and stuff, it just, it just was a totally, it was a stalemate on a level that no other war ever saw in the sense, you know, like the, like it's amazing that Winston Churchill is like known as this like really famous smart dude. Cause he was responsible for sending all those, like New Zealanders and Australians into Gallipoli being like it, and giving them like the world's most impossible situation to handle. So well, what's the alternative to not attack Gallipoli and just let yeah. it go. <laughs> I mean, it was just like a mistake. Like mm-hmm. they never made it anywhere. And all they did is walked into Turkish machine gun fire over and over and over again and died from heat stroke. So, so good times. Just, yeah. I don't know, man. Well, on a lighter note, um, I also played the sequence of missions in Fallout Shelter that gets you Bottle and Cappy to come and visit your vault. Uh, so Fallout Shelter, the little iOS game that I've been playing a ton of ever since I yeah, started well, playing it a couple months ago. Well, they ago. actually added quests and all kinds of stuff now. Yeah. Right? They made it into a game. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> it's super addicting and really, really good. Uh, it's the first mobile game that I've ever spent any money on, free-to-play mobile game I've ever spent was, any money on. I spent on. money in that game as yeah. well. And uh, because I've been playing it so much, I was like, all right, I'll spend 10 bucks on lunch boxes because they were having a sale during the Olympics where it was like 50 lunch boxes for like the 10 lunch box price or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, you know, because I, I was trying to get more of the legendary uh, vault dwellers. Um, but yeah, they, they added a new thing because Nuka World, uh, the, the Nuka, uh, Nuka World DLC for Fallout 4 just dropped earlier this week. I haven't Which had a like chance Disneyland to play it yet. Kind of. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's, you know, all Nuka Cola. Um, and so to tie in with that, they have a limited time quest in Fallout Shelter. So if you play Fallout Shelter, you should try to do it because I don't know how long the it's going to be available. But when you look, when you go to the overseer's office and you go to your quest list in Fallout Shelter, it says that these quests are limited time and they're really easy. You can beat them with pretty much any level of vault dweller. And, uh, you, uh, you do like a five quest quest chain and then it's to rescue bottle and cappy, which is, uh, a Nuka Cola bottle and a Nuka Cola cap, like animatronic guys. (laughs) And, uh, robots, I think they're robots because they make like robot sounds. Okay. And then uh, once you rescue them, they occasionally visit your vault. And while they're walking around in your vault, they make everybody happy. And every so often they'll dance. And when you hear the dance music, you can tap on them. You can tap on Cappy to get caps and you can tap on a bottle to get Nuka-Cola Quantum, which is uh, uh, normally a... It's a resource that you can get through playing the game, but it's a also premium item. It's kind of a premium item because you can because you know the quests will say like will take one day and twenty four hours of real life time for your for your quest group to get to the place to do the quest, and you basically have to wait for it unless you want to spend Nuka Cola Quantum to get there quicker. And the longer the journey the more Nuka-Cola quantum you have to spend. Exactly. So, you know, it, it's just another way to get more of that stuff. Plus, the quests in the Wasteland are fun. 
Yeah. And like you, you do that five quest chain and now you just have an extra little thing that kind of like how the mysterious stranger shows up every, you know, like three to five minutes or whatever when yeah. you're playing. Bottle and Cappy show, it seems like they show up like every five to, I don't know. 10 minutes or so and That's like wander through that your ball. They have a tie in directly to the DLC. That's yeah. a cool way to use their mobile platform. That's the first time that I've seen it. Um, they also have like a, they also do sales like during the Olympics. They did that one sale I was telling you about, but also during the Olympics, uh, like each day, if you had your vault dwellers training, you know, like you know how you can put them in a training for strength, train up their strength, train right. up their endurance. Have There's different training rooms. Yeah. yeah. Uh, depending on the day, uh, the training rate was doubled. Oh, because <laughs> so, of the Olympics? Because of the Olympics. And it would be like, today, agility training rates are doubled, you know? Um, so Fallout Shelter is very much a living product for Bethesda. Yeah, well, I, su- I suspect so, because I remember it was well, like... because they keep selling stuff in it. Yeah, yeah And do. there was also like yeah. such a crazy... It was a crazy high-grossing game for a while. Like yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, because well, it's, it's really it's good. The, it's still in the top 50 really? high-grossing wow. games on iOS. So yeah. it's like... Yeah, I mean, that game's... The game's still doing quite well for itself. Yeah, I'm digging that a lot. I should go back. I, I, you know, I got bored of it because eventually I was like, well, I got all my dwellers and I got a big vault. <laughs> and I'm like, now what? Do you really need that in your life, though? It'd be something to should, play. You should, why should you go back? It's, what could you play new instead? I mean, you could do the... Well, well it's the type could, of game that I could play in moments where I'm like that's five what minutes I do. here and there. Like, yeah. that's the type of thing, yeah. you know? In the same way that, like, I used to play Clash Royale for a little while before I gave that shit up. But you also could be playing Deus Ex Go, which I've still been playing and is really good. I haven't played that. And Deus Ex Go just released a new section of levels, and it says that they're only available for a limited period of time. So it seems like that's going to be kind of a living product for a while, too. And what I didn't realize is, like, Deus Ex Go, like, I got the, um, like, I don't know what you call it, like the gold achievement or whatever for each stage and that actually because it's connected to my square account it unlocked practice praxis kits for actual use in the, the pc game you just really don't need them though <laughs> <laughs> i mean it'll get it'll, it'll get you stuff earlier yeah i had i had like five or six praxis kits at the end that i hadn't even used yeah well plus deus ex go is just a really fun game right about 10 to twelve thousand killed on d-day by the way yeah just the invasion of the beach oh yeah i'm not saying i'm just saying that the world war one but the difference is they took the fucking beach they did take the beach and and i'm saying a lot of these ones in world war one they just the they front the front place. moved maybe a mile or two you know in each I mean? direction and it's yeah. like yeah and it was like it's just it's just a different sort of thing you know mm-hmm. which is why it just seemed like world war ii was fought with memories of that very clear oh clearly i mean that's why hitler was like we need to do the blitzkrieg thing and fucking go in and smash immediately with tanks because he's like we're not going to sit there and get into a drawn-out battle you know except in russia because what bad thing ever well happened? again so that, that's the thing is no one learns from the russian history which is that the Never germans over advanced napoleon over advanced yeah the idea is their joke right like hitler yeah. didn't play risk as a kid yeah you just you don't go into russia and you don't go into russia anytime so because the winter turn, will always come yeah and you're never prepared for winters that's the bottom <laughs> unless line. you're russian unless you're russian and the other and you know what you're german you're too prideful to make your women fight whereas the russians had no qualms <laughs> just, you know, in the, you know who the the most Russian army in World War One was like the Serbians, who mm. were an independent nation during World War One, and, and they very much since they were the smallest nation fought tooth and nail. And there was like one woman who fought with them and got caught as a woman after she became a corporal, and they were like, "What do we do with this?" Like, but she's already been decorated so much. 
I guess we'll let her keep fighting. And then there's all kinds of stories about her like getting shot three times and still taking a trench with her with her like guys under her command and stuff like that. She's like a total badass. She's like and oh, you can't remember her name. I can't. But that that same station, the Great War, Let's does do a Google search for Serbian badass lady. Yeah, <laughs> that Great War thing does individual breakdowns of of specific people, hmm. and some of them are like people like her, and then some of them are like the guy who invented gas warfare, who's hmm. maybe not the best dude, right? But you know, you're like it's still interesting to learn about, individual. or like who yeah. was the Red Baron? Wow. He's not as interesting in real life as you thought. Oh, I'm sure. Not. Yeah. I mean, dogfighting in World War One is actually much more, you know, reserved than people. It's realize. more. It's interesting to learn that you know when World War One broke out, no one had the ability to fire a machine gun through the propeller. You know, right. Yeah. There was no Germans. It was such like a huge, weird, stupid thing to make it work. Yeah, yeah. Germans invented the interrupter gear, and before that, the the reason the Germans were able to invent it was that I think there was a French guy or a British guy who had it, and he didn't have an interrupter gear. What he had was really specific metal put on his propeller so that he could shoot his gun and hit his propellers and not rip them off. <laughs> and so he would just occasionally shoot, and that's what they think made him crash. Was he a deflected bullet like went into his engine? And oh my crash. god! So it's like, you know, it's just a different, different world. Back then. But also, like the way that they made it work is it stops the propeller for a second. Yeah, yes. the fucking bullets going through. How fucking insane is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're gonna stop this propeller so the bullet can go through. Well, who was the first person that decided, hey, I'm just going to like heat a bunch of air and I'm just going to go up in this balloon and see where I go and hopefully I can get back down? Oh, that was around, f- I mean, yeah, war, war, around World War One did have uh, Zeppelin air raids on London. Yeah. So, yeah. no, no, I'm saying that like, uh, you know, people, Command and conquer shit. people just yes. jump, people just jump in and do crazy shit anytime. Like, you know, there's new stuff like that available for them to do. Yeah. No. It's inevitable. You know? Where's, where's good? What is it good for? It's good for advancing technology. That's about it. Some technologies. Some, t- some technologies. Very specific ones. Yeah. I mean, a wildly divergent set of yeah. technology. I mean, honestly, like, the medical field always advances leaps and bounds. Well, yeah, like the guy that invented That's mustard true. gas, part of the reason he was able to invent that was research that also went into him discovering how to make very good fertilizer that now is the technique everyone still uses mm-hmm. to this point. And also it's just like... like surgery and amputation techniques like were, i think grew leaps and bounds during the civil war because so much of it i think part done. of it was discovered was because he was like a german researcher and they had been cut off from the nitrite nitrate that they would normally get from south america which they use for explosives so that's how he figured out oh you can get nitrate from fucking cow shit <laughs> like now we can make our explosives still so. <laughs> thanks cows grown terrorists have been using it ever since <laughs> yeah. yeah um but like uh prosthetics now are leaps and bounds ahead of where they thought they would be because of the iraq war and yeah. afghanistan yeah well more people live with severed limbs and now there's yep. a need for them yeah man i'm, I'm all about i'm all about I think that shit's so cool. Like, I mean, it's tragic for the way it exists, but I'm saying that it's cool that we literally have a hand out there in the world. It's called the Luke hand. Well, I mean, that's like <laughs> the goal, right? Is like, is finishing the Luke hand. Mm-hmm. Right. But we also have 3d printed, like, like styled, uh, prostheses. Yeah. Kids. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Everyone should watch that video of Robert Downey Jr. Giving that kid an Iron Man. Arm. Well, there's also like, like the, the little girl that has time. like the frozen hand. <laughs> Yes, but the Iron Man one where he literally goes into a hotel room and meets Tony Stark yeah. and then gives him a an Iron Man arm. It's like the cutest video <laughs> wow, I've ever seen in my life. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, that one's fucking fresh. 
Uh, <laughs> fresh. Yeah, it's fucking Get fresh. Out of my just coined a new term. You just said fresh. <laughs> it's fucking fresh, man. It's um, one syllable less than precious, motherfucker. Uh, but it's fresh. So, what did you play in Hitman? Uh, I played the new episode. How is it? Did um, you? How many people did you leave in need of prostheses? None. None. I some people out. There are some people in closets. I saw. I saw that man. You got Silent Assassin on that shit. I did get Silent Assassin. You're fucking right. I did. <laughs> I threw coins to do it. It means you killed one person. No, I killed two. I had two targets. Oh, okay. that, that's the thing. Is that. Uh, coins are like far OP. and away coins, the, OP. The coins are totally op so, in that game uh, like one of the things that's been sort of interesting so far about hitman is that i feel like a lot of the targets haven't really felt like classic hitman targets where it's yeah. like you are not like murderous schadenfreude like stalking mm. them through their lives because like a lot of the other hitman games it's like this is a terrible piece of shit mm-hmm. and you've been hired by a family to make this right or whatever and this one you are for some reason, my mic is, I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm, I could just be not hearing things. Uh, you were hired by the family of a murdered fashion model who was pushed off the edge of a balcony by her alt-rock boyfriend. <laughs> and whose billionaire father that looks like Richard Branson... Caught him out of it. Co- ...covered it up with the help of a ruthless like litigator like who is also one of your So targets. you've been hired to make things... To settle a score. Yes. To to make things right. And and like the dude you're killing, the the rocker is like this fucking asshole with a man bun. Like who's, <laughs> who's like an indie band like lead singer. So like, what you're oh, saying is perfect. he's asking for it. Yeah, yeah he's, he's asking for it. Your, your, your assassination target is a guy with a man bun. So. so you so what you're saying is they've done a good job with the writing and stuff to make it like not that you're saying it's okay but you're saying it feels a lot like blood money's contracts did where it's like you see the face of this fucking person and you're like that person definitely has this coming (laughs) (laughs) yeah blood money definitely i never felt like well the targets weren't people that that i had much qualms with every time that every target in hitman was like but there were plenty there were plenty of people i killed in hitman blood money that probably were (laughs) all right (laughs) yeah they just wrong place wrong time you're like i need this costume um (laughs) but i also uh, it it feels more elaborate than a lot of the previous levels have because there's so much outfit switching that you have to do to get from place to place right and there's always a couple of like ultimate outfits that get you like no there's nothing like that in this level in this in this one like i didn't even feel i felt like in marrakesh like i had to switch a bunch i mean like the elite soldier got you to a lot of places I just meant that, but yeah, i still yeah, there's usually like bunch. a couple outfits that give you a lot of access like the you could be the, of people and like the, like if you can make yourself look like a member of the band that might get you it. Except, like, right next to where you get him is surrounded by people who know what he looks like. And if they see you, your cover is instantly blown. Right. Mm. Uh, and so you have to get, you can get his outfit, but you have to fucking walk yourself out very gingerly. Yeah. To make sure that you don't get caught. Um, and there's a lot of, like, climbing outside of windows to get down to certain areas. And then, like, maybe climbing back up. Uh, or going from one wing of the hotel to another, uh, and a lot of overhearing conversations and sort of hearing people speculate about whether he killed his girlfriend and all this other stuff. And, um, I just feel like it, it's, it continues to feel like it finds its groove. It's definitely that arc of Hitman where it's like, you feel pretty good for the first 15, 20 minutes. And then you hit a wall where you're like, I can't fucking figure out what to do to get where I need to be. Yeah. Um, 
and like getting over that hump is like a big part of the experience. I mean, the thing that I love about like all of these new Hitman contracts, though, is that I've only played up through Marrakesh. I haven't played the. What you need to do, Anthony, is get a knife and cut no underneath the Keep top talking, Matt. What and we turn it into a sandwich. Arthur bought us cupcakes. I did, and they're super good. What were you saying, Matt? Uh, I was saying like what I love about the these the, these Hitman contracts is that they. Uh, it, it, unlike the other Hitman games, there's a lot. Yeah, there is a lot of options on how to take out your target in the other Hitman games. But in this one, the fact that you can like pick up a moment and it says like, "Hey, do you want to track this? Do you want to track this possibility?" Like when you come across, it, and then you can track it, and it gives you a little bit of guidance. Um, I really like that because, and then you can look at all of the challenges, and you can see like, "Oh, I could have done it like this and this and this." So you know when you're going back what your objective is instead of just like hey there's lots of stuff you can do uh replayability play our level again it's like no we're going to design the bonus point experience that you can get around specific objectives for each level so it totally encourages you to not only replay it and go for the kill in a different way but to replay it and do a bunch of different random stuff in the level like yeah i saw one that was like a movie con like a movie set yeah. And it was like, if you discover the keys to the pyrotechnics, it's like, oh, track this. Yeah. Like now pyrotechnics might <laughs> might be a way to handle this. Right. But you also can get uh, points just for setting off the pyrotechnics and using them as a distraction. Yeah. It's cool stuff. Um, and I in this one, I felt like I was able to sort of trick people into doing things that weren't explicitly the way that I was supposed to be doing. Because like, I would use coins to not just like there are side objectives and things that you can do. Like you can sort of find information in the level that you might not otherwise know. And you Mm -hmm. do that by luring someone away where you can knock them out and get a thing. Uh, and I did that by sneaking into a like an off limits area, leaving the door open and throwing a coin on the floor and getting that person (laughs) to walk into that area. (laughs) And then as soon as they did, I like shut the door really quick and knocked them out. (laughs) I love how everybody in the Hitman universe is just so fascinated every time a coin drops. They so have to go look for it. one of the people in the level, when you do that, he's like, why am I investigating this? There are people to do this for us. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> That's great. There's security everywhere to check these things out. What am I doing? And then I threw another coin and he followed that too. <laughs> yeah, the dia- the, the, perceit- the yeah, like, really good. general dialogue in that game is very self-aware in a really great way. It is in a way, but I'm also increasingly just like, why does everyone speak the same like valley dude and valley chick english <laughs> voice acting budget or like a british person it's yeah. british people or american people like yeah all the hired staff at a hotel in bangkok is <laughs> speaking fucking perfect colloquial california english really? <laughs> just on vacation yeah and in marrakesh like everyone <laughs> yep. including like the people demonstrating in front of the swedish embassy yep. like are you serious? <laughs> yeah, well, that's what will happen if we make America great again. <laughs> but make Mexico great again also. Right. Is what that's Pat the new thing. Yeah. Oh, it did it. It did. Yep. And with the also at the end of the statement. <laughs> I'm sure Mexicans loved being told their country's not great now. <laughs> well, I mean, they're sending Especially all their by rapists Donald and murderers here, so... So know. they're good. Yeah, they're it's perfect. Yeah, they're yeah. totally sending all the rapists and murderers here. It's not like, you know, there aren't huge drug war, murders, death mob scenes. Or that their president is having protesters beaten and murdered in the streets or anything. Yeah, yeah that's all good. Happening. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, Hitman, video games. Yeah. Uh, I, I like it. I, I think that 
I like what they're doing. I feel disconnected from it because it's releasing in pieces. And that's I know it's almost been out for what almost a year, right? Uh, it came out in March. I want to say like oh, it, it came out this year, in March. Yeah, yeah. they, they the, release one a month, right? One it's episode been like a month, every five to six weeks. Yeah. I think is what it's worked out to. Um, I feel like they've done a really great do, job of keeping up with the content drops. But they also do a good job. They may not five to six weeks release a new area, but then they also put up the. Well, they do the, the what are they the called? elusive targets? The elusive yeah. targets. Those are super good too. But it's been they've only released three episodes so far since. Yeah, March. but you got to kill Gary Busey. You didn't get to kill Gary Busey. <laughs> um, I like the full the the retail disc quote is supposed to launch in January. Hmm. Um, but I think there's only like going by the menu, like there's only the there's the United States and Japan are the things that say coming soon, which makes me think that there's only two more episodes left. Hmm. Which would make this by far the shortest Hitman game, like, hmm. like it's very, very clearly the shortest Hitman. Game. But are the One environments felt like was like fourteen or fifteen missions? Yeah, it is fourteen, fifteen missions. But how many missions do they typically include in an area? Two? No, no. It's one mission no, per it's area. One mission. Like you yeah. might have more than one target, but yeah. that's oh, not thought, anything new for Hitman. Okay, I thought I thought it actually was like no. same area, multiple missions. I mean, so. what, one thing can be said though is that these the these levels are are all super huge though too. Like, I don't feel like I just I I I think that they are large ish, but they they don't feel that much bigger in practice than something in blood money does. Like they feel slightly more elaborate with more people, but eventually they just, it feels like you're doing the same thing. Like it doesn't feel like they're pushing Hitman in a way, in a direction that it hasn't gone before that. I would agree. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, they have like, like they're using the same tool set in every stage. Just the dressing is a little bit different. Yeah, I do. I kind of wish that it felt like the, quirky ways of doing things were actually the best ways Mm -hmm. um like uh mission three uh i think it hit my blood money where you're in the opera house yeah as an example where like you had to set up some real rube goldberg shit (laughs) to get a proper silent assassin in that in that mission because like you had to switch guns so that the dude on stage would shoot your one target mm-hmm. with a real bullet instead yes. of a fake bullet. Mm-hmm. And then you also had to rig explosives on the chandelier so that when he shot, when the guy got shot on stage, his benefactor, the crooked politician, would run out and get crushed <laughs> by the falling chandelier <laughs> from your explosives. Like, Which is like... It's fucking mousetrap, right? Like, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. Like, Hitman is at its best when it's like mousetrap. Yeah, I definitely. Find I'm finding in in this Hitman that I'm mostly just killing people with the Garrett. Yeah. That I'm just killing them, like... Hmm. Yeah, you're killing them... Boringly. Right, right, right. Um, Which has a sense of achievement, but it's not the same sense of, like, celebratory madness that something like Hitman Blood... Or poisoning the whiskey in the globe that the guy sneaks snips of. Right. (laughs) Or, like, crushing the dude's windpipe with his weight. Right. And you know, like I think, and I think a lot of that. I think that's definitely we'll true. In a big bird costume. I think that's definitely true for like the first time that you you know uh, kill your targets in these missions. But I think the missions also have they don't go as far as like the opera house one, but they all have like really interesting ways, like alternate ways that are again in those sort of like little uh, you know it's, they're not achievements; they're called something else, but like alternate goal ways where they're like kill him 
using this device in this costume. And it's like, oh, all right, well, if I need to, like, kill him this way in this costume, that limits where you can go and what you can do in order to engage that person. And sometimes you have to do things in a different order. Like, you know, I have to get this costume to, you know, I have to get the security guy costume so that I can get into the area, which will let me get the chef costume so I can knock out the chef. And I have to get the poison from this other area or I have to kill him with the cleaver, but he never comes into the kitchen. But so somehow I have to get to where he is with the chef costume and with the cleaver and kill yeah. him and still try to get Blood out. Blood Money you know? had some good stuff too, like how there were certain areas. Do they do this in this game where they pat you down in certain areas? Yeah. But there oh, are yeah. ways to get around that. You know, yeah, if like you, can... you hide something in a cake or whatever. Okay, okay, that's cool. Like I loved those little things in Blood Money as well, being able to circumvent... Uh, like there, there are weird, goofy things. Like in this one, there's a birthday cake, and you can get like cake toppers that are in some way related to a, a potential kill. But I, it's just not. What are you looking for? Glass. They might all be dirty, honestly. And then the cat climbs up the side of the chair. I, I just feel like there's so much elaborate bullshit and back and forth to try to get to from point A to point B with those weird kills that it's just it is so monumentally inconvenient in a way that it wasn't in Blood Money like hmm. in Blood Money every kill was inconvenient so you might as well do the funny shit and in this it's like or you could just play a stealth game yeah. And make it happen. Well, didn't Blood Money... Blood Money also did some interesting things, like the mission where you had to get a guy out of the place, right? But, like, make people think he was dead. Yeah, you he- had to poison him with, like, with some kind of, like, neurotoxin. Right, stuff like that, you know? Just little mix-ups it did that were, like, really interesting, you know? And, I don't know, or encountering people that were, like, doing their own hit, and then you'd, like, take them right. out, like... And there's still time for that to happen in this, but I don't know if it will... Yeah. Like, have you encountered any random moments like the fact that there's that one mission you do? It might be the Heaven and Hell one. In there are Blood two Money. missions where someone tries to kill you. Yeah, like that type of thing where someone's like, hey, come with there's me. There's a and Playboy like, Mansion where the, the woman invites you back into the room, and if you don't react quickly enough, she'll stab you to death. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Heaven and Hell, like, it's the replacement singer who sings super off key that asks you to an office and will also murder you if you don't kill her fast enough. Yeah. I always thought those little moments were so cool. Um, but yeah, I, there hasn't been anything like that in this, which is also kind of a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, now that you're talking about it, it definitely seems like these levels are a lot more about like traversal as opposed to, it feels you know, more like a stealth game. Stalking, yeah. stalking the person. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like more like that than a proper like sort of assassination thing the way blood money was <laughs> it's um, fun like i like stealth games i like hitman i yep. like the sort of puzzle solving and trial and error just like the payoff isn't quite as good although stuffing the guy in the wood chipper, chipper and safe <laughs> was fun that was pretty good yeah, blending <laughs> him into paste yeah it's uh, a good way perfect, to get rid of the body perfect hiding the body no one yep. ever knew what happened yep <laughs> did you lose oh, i was trying to get my phone but it's fine mm-hmm <laughs> It was just under my ass. <laughs> if it wasn't under yours, it'd probably be under one of the cats. Um, See, so yeah, I played that. Uh, obviously, I played some Dota. Um, and I played a little bit of Luminez on iOS today. What? How was that? It's Luminez. How does it play? Uh, it plays pretty well. Uh, the way that it works is you tap on this, the shape to rotate it. Uh, mm-hmm. and you swipe left or right to move where it's going to drop on the board and swipe down to slam it slam it in. 
sort of like the way the Tetris has worked on mobile. Right. Um, right on. Is it just classic Luminous? Uh, so far, it seems that way. Yeah, I think it might be the PSP Luminous. Um, Same soundtrack really sure. and everything. Maybe. Did not. you pay once? Yeah, it was three bucks. All right, good. Mm-hmm. I actually, mean, it seems pretty equipped for them to sell more stuff. I just don't know if they are yet. Uh, it's just anything where it's like an initial buy-in. I'm like <laughs> immediately more inclined to be interested. <laughs> well, Luminous could always sell, um, you know, sound like more packs. visual themes and sound packs. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because that was that was always half the fun of Luminous for me was you know <laughs> blasting Lucky Star at super high volume <laughs> and, and playing the whole game. The sound quality is good. <laughs> it sounds good. It plays best on earbuds or headphones, obviously. But yeah, man, yeah, that's a game I haven't thought about. That game was like the God. I PSP played so much of that game for a long time. It was. It's really. It's. Uh, it's quite good. It's quite good. Um, awesome. Should we take a break and, and then, then we'll do some rapid fire questions from Twitter? Do we? Do we have any? Oh yeah, we have questions. Do we want to just do it without taking a break and just yeah, get right. the shit? Here we go. Get it moving. Do we have any letters or is it all Twitters? Oh, I don't know. I just do Twitter. I, I got a lot on Twitter. Though. You're a Twitter. All okay. Right. <laughs> uh, I'll go with that. <laughs> Tweet. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. Everybody just hold. This is why we should take a break before we do these kind of things. Fuck it. We're rolling with it. (laughs) Colin asks As consoles go iterative, will system updates fuck up the ability to play old games the same as updates fuck up phones over time? I fucking hope not. But I I don't know. I don't. I, I can't make any kind of guarantees on that i feel like as time goes on both the console os developers and the game developers have gotten better about thinking of their games as their games and their platforms as being redistributable in the future and being like Let's, uh, you know, even, you know, like, let's rehash this old games so that there's an HD version of it now. And we'll be able to resell that HD version again sometime in the future because uh, Microsoft's Xbox OS, you know, is more geared towards uh, not throwing away the past. Because I think there's incentive for publishers, developers, and the console manufacturers to uh, be like Steam and let you constantly build your game library because it ties you into their ecosystem and it creates brand loyalty and customer loyalty. Just like, you know, I've had an iPhone for so many years that if I go and buy an Android, I'm going to have to get my apps or equivalents of my apps all over again. So I'm really tied into that ecosystem. So I feel like... Yeah, the incentive is there to make it so that that's not going to be as big a problem in the future as it has been in the past. I mean, just look at all the effort that Microsoft is putting in towards backwards compatibility on the Xbox. I mean, like, they know that there's a market there and that there's money to be had. The other thing that's kind of interesting is that, uh, like, I feel you're already sort of seeing the way that some of this will work with the Xbox one S, which is like a more powerful system than the Xbox one was like Mm. just marginally. So like seven to 11% and some factors, but like there are already games that are running better without any update on those two things. So Mm. it seems like the groundwork is already there for something like Scorpio to run those games better. And the next thing to come after Scorpio to run those things better, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Um, 
one thing I do think is interesting, like I'm seeing a lot of sort of like confusion about what the Xbox one S is. Um, like what do you, do you, what do you view the Xbox one S as a 4k machine? Like, do you, is it like a luxury item? Oh yeah. There's no need for dev one S. Okay. So the thing about the one S is that that's just the Xbox one now, like the fat black Xbox ones, like once they're sold, they're not there anymore. Like they don't exist anymore. Yeah. I don't view, I don't need to, I have an Xbox one. If I'm going to do an upgrade, I'm certainly not going to do it for a one S yeah, I'll do it for, I do it for Scorpio maybe. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's like, mm-hmm. but like, it's like, it's just like, that is like the standard bearer for the entry level for Xbox one now. Um, so, I so will the curious. Xbox one S drastically drop in price? It already has. Like the, five, well, I, the I, 500 gigabyte version is like 300 bucks. I didn't know there that. are already sales for that. But I'm like, also, but I'm also like wondering about, you know, when Scorpio comes out, how entry level is entry level? Like who knows? Who knows what Scorpio is going to cost? Yeah. But like all the deals that the Xbox one was see, seeing earlier this year actually are happening with the Xbox one S now too. So Andrew says, is the NX Nintendo's last chance in the console market? I'm thinking similarly to the Dreamcast. Hmm. Uh, Nintendo has way more money than I know, Sega they have, ever did. I, they can't. The, Nintendo has a lot less money than they did a few years ago. Well, yeah. Um, and it's not like they get everything from Pokemon Go. Right. No, but I just feel like they still are in the black, way in the black. So I don't know. I like cutting edge console or like it's something that approximates the competition. Possibly. I don't know. Like if it's an Android based device or something, then they can hopefully make something that is like forward compatible the way that mobile games theoretically should be. Uh, I think you can expect to see a super Nintendo version of the NES retro thing that they're releasing at some point. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Might as well get people to buy their nostalgia. It's worked in the past. And it's also like a cute little thing. It's it is cool. Yeah. I, don't know. I just uh, want less devices in my life. Not more. Sure. But it's not really for you. True. Yeah. And increasingly it's just like, I feel like more and more as a lot of like the vocal gamers get older, they think that everything is for them when really like the hobby is shooting for far younger than them. <laughs> it is definitely. Uh, Bjorn writes in and says, any PS2 games you'd like to come out on PS4? Uh, as remastered or just as they, maybe, are they just doing backwards compatible things? Those are I all have, like, I don't know. I have no desire for that. PS2 games. I can't I still really, have a functional yeah. PS2 with a component cable. So do I. <laughs> I. And I did boot it up like a couple weeks but ago. Even, even if I didn't, I, I probably wouldn't boot it. Really? Yeah. How was that? I loved that shooter. Yeah. At the time. And to be clear, I'm talking about Area 51, the midway first person shooter game. That was not the on-rails arcade oh, game. Oh, okay. This I was, was, I was like thinking the on-rails David arcade Duchovny. game with the light this was gun. A, yeah, a very elaborate story with it David, David Duchovny. Duchovny and Marilyn uh, as one of the aliens. Yes, and it also had like a soundtrack that was like, like it was like a big budget Midway game. <laughs> and, it, and it was like really crazy with some of the things they could do graphically at the time that were kind of unprecedented. And it had really good squad I think commands. It faked normal maps on PS2. Yeah, it like it like did a bunch of shit that was like. But it, again, calling Air Fifty One, everyone just thinks mm-hmm. I'm talking about that fucking light gun game. So, um, the um, the Red Star. Yeah, that was a good. That was like a very end of PS2 era. That, that game barely would, came out. Yeah, that game would still be great. 
I kind of, I, I, I kind of think of it. Uh, I feel like um, formerly Gaijin, now Choice Provisions, kind of already did it with Runner Three. But like, I really liked Vibribbon, and I would like to see, you know, it's a like PlayStation game. Yeah. Oh, that was PlayStation One game. That's true. That wasn't even PlayStation Two. For PlayStation Two, I actually think it would be super cool to see an Eco remastered. Um, I'm surprised we haven't, honestly. Yeah, it's true. Uh, Mark writes in and says, did or will you give Rainbow Six Siege another look after all the improvements oh it's made? <laughs> There's like this little cadre of people obsessed with that game who think that it didn't get a fair shake and that it's a lot better. And, well, I don't know. To be to be fair, I haven't played it in a long time, so I wouldn't know. I haven't seen anything to suggest that that game has changed in a major way other than like basic balance patches that every online shooter gets, and mm. they added a few more maps. Whoop-de-fucking-do. Yeah, I would really be curious to see if the controls are still mushy as shit. Because I, I hated the controls in that game. I never bought it, so... I haven't seen anything to suggest that that game has improved in a, in a particularly substantive way yeah. other than like some people have gotten into it who didn't get into it at first. Yeah. But the problem with a game like that is that something like that, where it's about memorization of balance and location and all this other stuff is that like, as the existing base gets huge and hardcore or not mm-hmm. even huge, but just like very hardcore. And those are the only people playing it. Like new players are increasingly just meat mm. for that grinder. Like, there's no way for them to onboard because the game yeah. is too hardcore now. Well, I only want to play Terrorist Hunt anyway. Right? Yeah. Which is still busted. Mm. Like, it's still fucking peer-to-peer. It's still horseshit. Ugh. How do you Ew. take the best thing about Vegas and fuck it up? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, F. Shivan says, what do you guys consider to be the game of the generation so far? What is your favorite game if you had to choose? Of... Uh, I, I don't know. I don't think in terms of console generations anymore. Um, yeah, it's a tough. Yeah, that, that's tough a tough. I mean, like, I I can't really answer questions like this because everything in my is like, well, it depends. Is it this type of game or that type of game? Because I really can't tell you that. Like, you know, my default best games are always RPGs because I love story driven experiences. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you know, like. Uh, uh, Dragon Age 3 is really my favorite game of the generation, you know? I feel like I need to see a shelf with games on it. <laughs> I feel like... I don't know. It's it's weird because I feel like this generation kind of got stuck with a lot of, like, cross-gen... It did. ...games. Uh, and so some of my favorite games, like, are games that also came out on yeah. 360 and PS3. Like, Wolfenstein came out on 360 and PS3. Yeah. Um, and Dragon Age came out on 360 and PS3. It's uh, true. Titanfall came out on 360. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's it's really only this year and next year that we're really going to start seeing games that were made just for this generation, or just this year because next year, like, there's Scorpio stuff. I don't know. I'll sure. put Inside on my short list. I love that. Inside game. is really good. Uh, Ori and the Blind Forest not, is did not play it Inside. Like one of my favorite games of the last several years. Um, I really liked Sunset Overdrive. I think that game is incredible, and it just did not get a fair shake at all. Mm. Um, hmm. Yeah, these are the kind of questions that I have to do a lot of thinking about because my memory sucks. Hmm. And it's the kind of thing that, like, whenever we start talking about this type of stuff in our personal lives with friends and family, it's like, oh, yeah, there was that game. Man, that game was really good. I can't believe I forgot it. I actually like it better than the game that I said I like better. I love Fallout 4 an awful lot. 
Um, yeah, me too. I think Fallout 4 is fucking great. If Deus Ex Mankind Divided had a fucking ending, then I might <laughs> think more highly of it. Um, yeah, I'm still playing that. I'm really liking it. Hmm. Yeah, I can't really think of any one thing that's been like... I think there's been a lot of great games. It's just like... So a lot of them have been just great games I played on a PC, so I wasn't... Yeah, was, me too. I don't feel like there's been like a Gears of War kind of thing so far for me this console generation no where you're just like holy shit we're in a new generation of games oh my god um which is one of the things like i just feel like a lot of the the changes with this generation have been subtle and we're still waiting for like that game that's like oh my god everything is totally fucking different yeah um, well, I mean, like, because Gears of War, it wasn't just like this new visual feast that people weren't able to get on console like totally until then. Kind of shooter, it was like a totally different kind of gameplay that people are that like developers and publishers across the board and around the world jumped on as like a third person cover based shooter. It was like, wow, it's this whole new mechanic that I never right. thought of working this way before. Like it, to the point where the games that it ripped off started ripping it off. Exactly. <laughs> it's like after Resident Evil 4, like Gears of War did it, and then every Resident Evil game wanted to be Gears of War. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, yep. Uh, I don't feel like there's been that game, this console. No, not really. I'm sure some people would say something like uh, Rocket League would probably be like that for a lot of people. Mm. Yeah. Um. Let's see. I mean, you could say that, you know, like... Uh, MOBAs really dominated. Ah, but those all came out like 2009, 2010, 2011. That's true. Oh, geez. Oh, geez. TV questions. What about them? Any other good tips you can give for lighting aside from the bias LED stuff on the back of the TV? Buy a better TV. <laughs> Damn, son. Don't buy a shitty TV. I, like, I really like you just need to have proper expectations for the amount of money that you're spending. Yeah. I'm it's not true. Not to be a dick. Like, well, that's why I'm really happy with the new TV that Eleanor and I have because we bought it from Arthur. <laughs> uh, Rob says, What is the one game, idea, concept, development, etc., that you're excited for in video games in the next few months or years? I'll say. I'm excited about the fact that I feel like there's... I, f- I finally heard about another game that's doing, like, the uh, the system from uh, Shadow Mordor. Because it sounds like the Mafia oh, the game. the Nemesis system? Yeah, it sounds like the Mafia games basically have a Nemesis system where you take oh, down, nice. like, minor mob bosses and do little shake-ups on them to eventually get to the big boss. And the little things you do, like, great. go to one of their construction sites and rough up a dude or manage to capture Dudo as intel all works towards like tiers of mob bosses. And I was like, I'm really looking forward to seeing what Dishonored does on new hardware. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's definitely one of my most anticipated games for the rest of the year. You know what? You know, one that just reminded me coming out this year too. Yeah. Jesus. Uh, that just reminded me because that game has really good textures is that I just wanted to make a quick comment that Deus Ex mankind divided has some of the best textures I've ever seen in a video game ever. It's like, and they're not all amazing, but every now and then I'll look at something and I'll be like, the side of that, uh, you know, like jump ship 
is just a flat piece of metal, and that is the most interesting, beautiful flat piece of metal texture I have ever seen. It's like super high res and super well done, and the color balancing across the textures. I don't know, I don't know if you're physically oh. physically based rendering on that game or not, but it looks pretty good, except yeah. for a lot of the character models. Yeah, and like all the character models have this weird square thing on the front of their nose that like they don't have proper rounding in the normal maps or something. But yeah. the, um, but man, like the especially the clothes and some of the metal textures in that some game really great clothes in that game. yeah are like the best some of the best if not the best i've ever seen in a video game i'll say that that abduction game that i talked a little bit about last week yeah i'm still playing by the way a game is just increasingly gets crazier as really I yeah i thought it was like one very small environment yeah let's just say you get around you get around to some other places. The game <laughs> nice. goes places. It's really weird and really brilliant. Wow. And uh, But that game has really good rock textures. <laughs> right Very on. unreal Does looking. Does photogrammetry? Huh? Does he use photogrammetry like that? I don't know. I don't even know what that is, Arthur. Me either. It's the where they take a bunch of pictures and use it to create objects. Like oh. Battle, Battlefront uses that. Oh. Uh, maybe it, it sure looks like that level of sort of rocks and stuff like that where you're like that's a real ass looking rock <laughs> so, it's a ue4 game so i don't know uh, I that's mean, another thing that i just sorry to bring it back to mankind divided but mankind divided you can tell that all the textures are like painted and handmade they're not based off photographs so it has uh it and like all the character textures and all the environment textures and everything everything looks hand painted but with like a like a realistic tinge to a hand painted texture and it's fucking great the art design in that game is just so fucking good yeah i'm curious if the the, is is it the same art director i wonder i don't know i know who you're talking about but i don't know well yeah you know i'm talking about because he looks like adam jensen (laughs) (laughs) oh he's like a big french canadian dude yes that looks like adam jensen (laughs) really (laughs) like literally he made a game where the lead character looked like him (laughs) Yeah. He's got well, a super French name too, I don't remember. Yeah. Maybe yeah. Michel. Or Jacques. <laughs> that sounds French. It's not Jacques. His name is Jacques Michel. <laughs> Jean Luc. Um, um Yeah, I don't know. Anything else? Uh oh yeah, need, there was one more. I any more Twitters? I uh, put down my phone. Hold on. Um <laughs> wait. Do, do, His name do, is Evan. Do. Hey Evan. And he writes in and says do you think Titanfall 2 will get delayed? And what are the odds Sony acknowledges anything about No Man's Sky at their presser? No and no. Absolutely nothing about No Man's Sky <laughs> yeah. ever again. And I think that there's a pretty good chance that Titanfall gets delayed. Hmm. There you go. You think so? From the I horse's think mouth. That it's fucking stupid to release that game this year. I played a lot of it. And I quite liked it. I think that there's like a lot of feedback they got from the beta where they can use that as an issue. So you know what? January. Or February. I think it was a little disingenuous to continue to call that beta a pre-alpha, but when the game comes out a month later, right. you are not. Like you are not in a. EA. Of course, you call it a pre-alpha because if you call it a beta, hopefully by calling it a pre-alpha, people won't judge it as harshly. I guess, but it's like so disingenuous because they have not been in pre-alpha of yeah. probably 2016. I think exactly. They should take a lot of the pretty negative feedback they got from the beta and delay that game because hmm. a lot of the feedback from that was negative. Like, the, a lot of the sentiment toward Titanfall 2 that I saw was negative. Around around what? Just, they didn't, people didn't like it as much. Things like, like, when you see enemies now, they're, like, highlighted pretty bright red, so you can pick them out in the environment, like, and really easy. And how long easy. it takes to get a Titan, and just... And just, like, mm. just like even traversal speeds and stuff that were, mm-hmm. like, people are like, I feel slower, and it's like, you are. 
like, you know, uh, right, stuff like right, that. Right. That they're just like trying to go back and be like, well, maybe we. Maybe yeah, I'm we not so into the highlighting enemies thing for sure. Yeah, like at a distance I, and I stuff. Like, like I was like, dude, I can sit up in a house and fucking pick you out, no problem. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So. I, yeah, I think that I not only for balance stuff, but I think that they should. I think it's fucking suicide to release that game against Gears, Battlefield, Call of Duty, mm-hmm. Dishonored, fucking Skyrim, yep. and a bunch of other shit. Like, Wait, there's what a, are you doing? There's a Skyrim re-release. It's a remastered. Yeah, it's, huh? yeah, it's a remastered. Well, I never played Skyrim, mods. so maybe I'll play that finally. Like, it's totally re- like all the visuals are redone. <laughs> Yeah, they, there's and you can some... stick mods in it, which means you can do Thomas the Tank Engine Dragon. <laughs> well, I mean, you could always mod that game. But now yeah. the console versions can be modded. Oh, the console version. Oh, wow. So Thomas the Tank Engine. Right. Dragons, yeah. And your PS4, <laughs> Xbox One version. I can run around with a lightsaber. <laughs> yep. you see, have you ever seen that? Oh, yeah. That's like, Thomas that's the Tank like Engine Dragon? One of the only good yeah. products of the internet in the last decade. <laughs> it's, the, one of the, it's like the greatest video that's ever been put on the internet, maybe. I don't yeah. think I've ever seen it. Oh, man. It's uh, so good. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> it's awesome. It's so good. The, uh, there is like, God, Skyrim has to be one of the most modded games in history. If not the most modded game right, in history. Right, because they have to make all the, the women not dirty. Well. Remember, that was like yeah. one of the first biggest fucking Skyrim mods. Make the yeah. women not dirty. Right, right. Take the dirt textures off them. Yeah. Yeah, I know. You don't need to want to fuck every character you see in a video game. I promise well, you. Well, then what's the point in playing video games? <laughs> Keep your politics out of video games. <laughs> people are not objects. Sometimes you just need... The other day someone asked a comedy about why do people suck? And you know, I felt like uh, the answer to that is because no one... People have a bad habit of... You know, like most animals and stuff, right? A lion looks around and he's like, I killed one gazelle. That's good wall eats this gazelle i'm fucking full you fool all right let's just lay in the sun (laughs) humans are the ones who are like nothing is enough Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like i think you could boil it down to like every war every bad thing of why did something happen because something wasn't enough for you why did someone uh cheat on their wife well because something wasn't enough well, why did a, someone the, uh, why did someone go to war because they wanted that fucking piece of land because what they had wasn't enough it's just like well it's our it's our ability to uh project a future for ourselves exactly. which tells us that we don't have enough exactly it's just because like, at some point in the future i may not have enough unless i have too much now exactly so it's just like you know it's just always people not enough yep i just i think i've been thinking about that a lot too listening to that world war one thing because <laughs> literally it was like Half the countries that went to war were just like, it's going to be a rousing good time. <laughs> we're going to get some colonies out of it. So let's do it, boys. Well, and then it was like, let's punish Germany for the next several decades because that'll never come back to well, bite us in the Well, they had ass. it coming, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> and then you end up with a nation of people who are like, we don't have enough. Let's go to war so we do. Yeah. Well... If you want to learn more about history, you can go <laughs> watch the Great War on YouTube. It'll Which I think we've promoted on like the last eight podcasts. It's so, so. good. <laughs> At this point, you literally have probably like 20 hours of show to watch. That's great. And be very depressed by. <laughs> There's only like one episode of that show where you're like, huh, that was uplifting. And then... Is it the last episode? <laughs> no, it's the first... It's Christmas... 1914. Oh, the Christmas episode. When they had yeah. the truce very briefly and the French and German guys played soccer in no man's land against each other. 
and traded cigarettes and stuff like that, and then got in trouble from their superior officers for not killing each other. Yep. So, but for one day, they were pals. Classic superior officers. Yeah. It's always the people who aren't doing the killing who want the people below them to do the most killing. Okay, probably enough philosophizing on this episode. Uh, We're on Twitter. I'm at Chuff Money. Arthur's at AEGIES. And Matt's at Talking Orange. And I will not be here for the next two weeks because I'm going to Montana to do the whole marriage thing again. In the eyes of God. Enjoy the beautiful (laughs) land of Montana. It's going to be great. Sweeping fucking plains and beautiful mountains. I'll be here next week and out of town the week after, maybe. Okay. Uh, but you can continue sending your letters to letters at eat-sleep-game.com. Oh, we have a special guest next week, too. I'll tell you after we get <gasps> I want to I want to. I never hear when there's I'm a special skeptical guest. about that. I'm just naturally skeptical. I'm going to tell Anthony off just in case they have to cancel it, because <laughs> that should happen. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> so thanks for joining us. Go Polygon, read Arthur's work. Go James to underscore Faulkner on Twitter. Area5.tv. You can get Matt work. Hey. Just work over at IGN, hey, James. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Go play Marvel Heroes if you want. I don't care. <laughs> care desperately. <laughs> nah, I don't know. Go play, go play Green Goblin. He's pretty cool. <laughs> All right. Uh... Yeah, play something. ran out of gas. Yeah, play something did. on your mobile phone that's not Pokemon Go, like Fallout. Give them some of your money. That game sounds pretty cool. That's what I'm gonna do. So join me. I'll see you later. Love you. Me. Mm-hmm.